We are, we are in the, the midst of our sermon series on the Holy Spirit, and I want to just start today by recapping what we've learned about the Holy Spirit, and what's fun is that I can do this in one sentence, and the sentence is that the Holy Spirit, also known as the Spirit of God, gives life. Um, that, that is what this whole series is about, life to us. And when I say life, I mean life in every sense of the word. Um, in, in fact, I don't think there is a way that we could stretch and apply life that the Holy Spirit is in, in the midst of. Um, when you, you stop to think about it, kind of count up a few ways. Uh, first of all, he gives physical life. And we know that from Genesis 1-2, uh, right in the beginning, there is the Spirit of God hovering over the waters as, um, as life is being created, the world is being created. And then Job confirms that as well in a kind of an obscure little verse, uh, Job 33-4, he says, the Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty, which is another word for the Holy Spirit, the breath of the Almighty gives me life. So our physical lives and the Holy Spirit, there's a direct connection. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit gives us spiritual life, meaning salvation. Um, this is all over Scripture, but I'll just read you two verses. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. Paul writes, when you believed in Christ... You were marked with a seal, the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, that he purchased us to be his own people. And so whether we're talking physical or spiritual life, the Holy Spirit is giving it. But the, the life-giving work of the Spirit doesn't stop there because the Holy Spirit at Pentecost is poured out on the church to give the church a life and energy for its new mission. And so with, with great confidence, we can go and we can succeed in the great commission because the spirit of God has been poured out on us. The same is true for us as, as individuals. It's not just the church as a whole, but the, the spirit of God gives us life as, as individual people. And we see that, of course, in spiritual gifts. The, the, the Spirit of God gives us gifts. We read these in 1 uh, Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. And we also see this in what we're talking about now, which is the fruit of the Spirit. That, that's a, another life-giving property of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, we're right in the middle of Galatians 5, 22 through 23, talking about that. So, in all, whether it's physical, spiritual, corporate, or personal life, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is really has come to fulfill the promise of Jesus that we see in John 10, 10, which says, I have come that you might have life and life to the full, life in its completeness, life without missing anything that makes you live. And, and that is all to say that God is about our transformation to utterly change who we used to be before Jesus when we were lost, when we were dark, when we were, were in death, um, really making us into the image of God, the, bringing the character of God, the, the likeness of God. Now, with all of that in place, I want to stop for a second and encourage you with a very simple statement of truth connected to spiritual growth. 
Um, and I do this because we all have seasons of our lives where we feel stuck. We feel like we're in a wasteland. Um, there, there are times, and y'all, you, you know we do this, where we look at ourselves and we go, you know, I'm not who I should be. I'm not who I could be. We can really get down, um, you know, some of the valleys of our spiritual life. I just want you to be aware that spiritual growth is a lot like physical growth. It takes time. And if you want to know how much time, it, it takes a lifetime. Um, God works with us all the days of our life. God grows us through every season of, of our life down here. So I want you to just be encouraged today. The Holy Spirit is at work in you, and he is making you more like Jesus. So know that. Also know, though, that we play a part in this. Um, we are partners with God in our spiritual growth. We all have very real choices in life um, that, that we make about uh, building our lives on the Word of God. Um, entering fully into not just a moment of worship, but into a life of worship. We, we also have very real choices um, about saying yes to life in the spirit versus life in the flesh. Um, and the good news is, part of the reason we're in church is we are here to help one another. Choose well and live well and walk with Jesus. So there's your intro. Let me pray for us. Father God, we, we adore you and we love everything about you. And I think it's just so amazing that we are at a place as, as Christians for all of our time down here where we are discovering who you are. So it is a never ending um, just a cycle of growth and life and, and becoming and beholding you. And we want to do that today. Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to just tune us into what you're doing, to open our ears to what you're saying, to, to, to just bring us to that place where every part of us is saying yes to, to your commands, to your call, to your movement in our life. And Father, I do pray also just for healing over this body in Jesus' name. Um, we remember those who are grieving um, throughout this body. We, we've had several just dear saints go home to be with you. And we pray for, for just those of us who remain comfort, encouragement. We pray healing too on our body um, and on our bodies in Jesus' name. And we just ask that, that you would strengthen and establish and fill Cornerstone to overflowing with your goodness and your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's dig in. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things or against these things, there is no law. Um, Marvin announced it a moment ago, the, uh, the theme of today, the word of today, uh, the fruit of today is kindness. And that is a word that rarely inspires the masses. Um, there are a couple of reasons why either the word kind or kindness, it just doesn't, you know, get our energy up or, or get, us, get us on fire. Um, and and the, I think the first reason that this is a word that has lost a lot of meaning in the English language over time. Um, kindness falls into that category of 
bland, mushy uh, words like nice, fine, good. Uh, Tim, how are you today? I'm fine. How's it going? Good. Nice, nice of you to ask. Um, it, it just kind of lands there. We, we associate kindness with, with being pleasant. Um, always wearing kind of at least a half smile. Getting along. Not making any waves. To most of us, kindness is it, it's just a mundane, ho-hum kind of virtue. It, it's, it's like the leading personality trait of people who fade into the background. Um, so we don't get excited when we hear the word, but the Bible presents a very different picture of the word kindness. Um, it is compelling, it's engaging, and it, it's something that as we really get it from God's viewpoint, it's something we wanna be. Um, it, it, I, for me, kindness is actually becoming one of the dreams of my life and my heart. So the concept of Christian kindness is very simple. And it, is, uh, it begins with God because it is rooted in God. So we start there knowing that kindness is a part of who God is. Kindness really is within God's DNA. It's his character, it's this, this driving engine within God. And um, I could give you a bunch of references today, uh, read you all kind of stuff on kindness, but I'm gonna give you one passage of scripture because this one captures it, just captures it beautifully. So here we go, Ephesians 2, one through 10 the Apostle Paul writing to us. As for you, and this is you and me, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. That's code language for Satan. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace we have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, right there, you've got the whole story. And I mean, you've got the, the whole Bible story, the whole redemptive story. But in a nutshell, God created us. He made us and he made us for life in him and a love relationship with him. So that's where we start. And you know what happened, right? We rejected God. Instead of his way, we chose our way. 
We chose to live for ourselves. And, and as human beings, what we did was we polluted our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls. And as, as Paul says here, we chose death and we absolutely, unequivocally, without an argument, a defense, we deserve death. That's the truth. It is absolutely a certainty. But, but God is love. But God has great love for us. And as Paul says here, God is rich in mercy. He's rich in grace. So it's, it, it, you know, it's not like God's got a little storehouse of grace. He's got some to spread it. He is wealthy in it. He is rich and he's overflowing in mercy and grace. And so the story goes that after God pursued us all the way through the Old Testament, he demonstrated, he expressed, he showed the, his kindness to us. His kindness through the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There has never been a greater sacrifice. There's never been a greater act of love. This is the kindness of God. This is what he did. And, and so biblical kindness is just the radical good news that Jesus Christ is God's kindness toward us. Toward sinners. Toward enemies of God to every sinful human being on the planet. So kindness is God's mercy. His grace, it's, it, 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 it's this gracious attitude toward sinners. And, and even from last week, it, kindness kind of comes together with last week's theme. It, it's, it's God exercising patience, you know, waiting and withholding his wrath so that we'll be saved so that we will, be, we will not be destroyed, so we will have life instead of death. This is Romans 2, 4, by the way. Um, God's kindness is all about leading us to repentance. So when we talk about kindness now, okay, when you look at that definition, there is nothing wimpy about God's kindness. There's nothing weak about God's kindness. God's kindness, it is strength. It's passion. It, it's compassion. It is a love that saves. It is rooted in love, patience, mercy, sacrifice, rescue, and resurrection. And it, it, it's God seeking, and this is, this is important because we're getting ready to use this in a minute, but it, it, is, it is God seeking to change our status from despised enemies of God to children of God. That's why it's good news. That's why we call it good news. That's why it is the best news ever. So we hear all that and we go, okay, well, there's probably another point to this, and there is, and it's a point that involves you and I, and it is actually the identical point from last week. God has shown his kindness to us, and he now expects us to live it. God, God expects us to pay his kindness forward. The kindness of God in you and I going out to other people is how people experience God. So in a sense, what we're doing as a church is we are called to be for the lost and, you know, the, the empty, the struggling, the broken, the deeply sinful. We are to be to them in a sense what God was to us. 
Um, we are to do for them in, in, in many ways what he's done for us. Listen to these verses, okay? Listen to the call. It's always been there. Jesus to us in Luke 6.35. And I say to you, love your enemies. It's exactly what God did for us when we were enemies of God. I say, love your enemies, do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything in return. And then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Here's Paul saying something very similar. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. We've got this familiar one. 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Love is patient and love is kind. And by the way, that is preceded by verse after verse telling us that if we don't have love, then spiritually speaking, we don't have anything. We have nothing spiritually. And that's why Paul tells us in uh, Colossians 3.12, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved now. That's what's happened to us. Put it on. Clothe yourselves with kindness. Guys, what, what, what all these passages are telling us today, um, these passages, along with the example of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, uh, along with parables, like last week, the unmerciful servant uh, in Matthew 18, the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, uh, along with the gut-wrenching scene of the woman caught in adultery in John 8, along with, <laughs> we could do this for a while, along with repeated warnings not to judge. To, to, to get rid of any offense in our lives, not to take revenge. What all of this is saying to us as Christians when it comes to the kindness of God is that we don't get to have enemies anymore. It's a radical statement. In this day, in this age, with all the, you know, back and forth and, you know, one side against another as believers biblically, we don't get to have enemies. That, that changed when we came to Christ. We, we are not supposed to see people that we disagree with. Um, we're, we're not to see them as uh, an enemy that needs to be overcome. Um, we, we don't get to hate people who vote differently, who think differently. And you know, even when what they think and what they do, you know, it does create trouble and adversary, you know, d destruction in the world. We don't get to hate those people. Um, th that person I talked about last week who drives like a maniac or that other person that acts like a jerk, they're not meant to be our adversary. The kindness of God and, and our call to walk in the kindness of God, it means for us that we've got to get out of all of that us versus them mindset. The mindset that we want to get into and that we want to hold on to is that God was kind to us when we didn't deserve it. 
when, when we did not return any love back to him, he was kind to us. And he wants us to orient our hearts to, to, to that same calibration that, uh, you know, uh, even when other people don't deserve it, even when they don't love us first, we are kind to them. Why? Again, because the kindness of God is what draws people to repentance. And that's what the whole shooting match down here is about. I mean, that, that is what all of this is about. Have you ever stopped to think about this? Why did Jesus leave us here? We're saved, right? I mean, our ticket is punched. Our destiny awaits us. We are children of God. Why are we here? The salvation of the world. So, so that we can be a part of, of other people coming to know Jesus Christ. So kindness is a big deal. And yet, as we said last week, um, it's like with patience. It's like with love, joy, peace. We can't do this on our own. I mean, this kindness that we are talking about, it, it is a standard so high. It is a bar so high to be kind like God. We cannot do it without an impartation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If the Spirit of God does not pour God's kindness into us and, and, and make it real, if the Spirit of God does not bring that fruit to rightness in our lives, we will never get there on our own. But the good news here is that that's what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. We see that this is God's gift. We see that this is God's heart, that this is in His intention, His desire for us. And so today, what I'm going to do, just to, to, to end here, then my little part, I want to pray for us. And I just want to ask you in this moment to open your heart and to, to, to just agree with what the Spirit of God, we, we're told in Scripture, He wants to do in us. So let me pray. Father God, we, uh, again, we rejoice as we, we see what you want to do in these hearts and in these minds. And Lord, I confess, I just confess that I fall very short of your standard. Um, I can roll the tape back in my life on any given day and see that impatience. And, and I, can, I can see, you know, th that other reaction besides kindness or love or peace. And so, Father, we invite you. Um, God, we, we want to be like the psalmist today in Psalm 34, 8. We want to taste and see your goodness. And Father, we ask you just that there are reasons also why we are not kind, why we struggle with this. So God, I ask you to heal our woundedness. It is very hard to receive the fullness of, of your kindness and your heart when our hearts are wounded and damaged. So we ask you to heal those places in Jesus' name. Father, we, we ask you today to erase every judgment and every offense. Um, Lord, to, to annihilate our anger, um, to knock down every wall between us and other people, uh, to forgive all of those times that we have expressed hatred instead of graciousness. Lord, pour kindness, Holy Spirit, pour kindness, the kindness of God into us and over us and through us to this lost world. We want to be your fragrance, your expression of love. God, we want to bring the light of Christ to people who are damaged and darkened like we used to be. So Father, would you begin with us? Change our hearts, bring us into maturity. Holy Spirit, do what you've come to do in us, your people. In Jesus' name, amen.